Welcome to the Mountain Brook Baptist Church podcast. We pray that this message will help you in your walk with Christ. Our current sermon series is The Church Your New Pastor Deserves. The title of Dr. Dorch's sermon today is More By Its Waiting Than It's Working. The big idea is the most important choice we make in church is to spend time with Jesus, a choice that empowers us for the work he gives us to do. If you have your Bibles this morning, I invite you to turn with me to the Gospel of Luke. Beginning with the 10th chapter, the 38th verse, and for the next several Sundays, I'd like to speak with you about my vision for this church in the days ahead and what this church can continue to do in order to be the light to this community and beyond that God has called us to be and how you will support your new pastor in the process. Luke tells us that as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, that is to Jerusalem, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Martha had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what Jesus said But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made, and she came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. May God add his blessings to this, the reading of his word. To borrow a phrase from the popular singer Alanis Morissette, isn't it ironic that we would celebrate a holiday that we designate to be Labor Day on a weekend when very few people are actually at work. You would think that if we were going to recognize labor, that we would celebrate it at a time when people are actually engaged in meaningful activity. But we don't. This holiday weekend, when we say we are celebrating Labor Day, it comes at a time when very few people are doing much of anything. So why is that the case? Deep down inside, we know that we were not created to be perpetual machines just going on and on and on and on. We recognize that every now and then we need to take a break. We we need to get away from the grind. We need some downtime. Not, not because leisure is inherently better than labor. Instead, instead we know that we need on occasion, some time to get away and catch our breath to have some breathing space in our souls so that 
we might return to our work because of its importance and having experienced sufficient rest and renewal, we may then be able to give ourselves to something that has substance, significance, purpose, value, that then we can give ourselves to something that truly makes a difference. Now that is a principle that is in play, not only in terms of economics. We rest in order that we might re-engage in our work so that we might be able to do more, to do more that really matters. That's not merely an economic principle. It's a spiritual principle, one that we see throughout Scripture, beginning with the book of Genesis, where God rests from his labor on the Sabbath day and deems it to be holy, and our gathering this morning is a reflection of our obedience to that commandment all the way through to the book of Revelation, where God's saints are in glory, sharing together in perpetual worship, having come into their final and ultimate rest. And in this Gospel of Luke, we read a story that teaches us of the importance of attending to Jesus, waiting on Jesus, leaning upon Jesus, learning from Jesus, breaking away from our labor, from our work when necessary in order to do so, in order that then we might go back and give ourselves to our labor with a greater sense of purpose and mission. In this section of Luke's gospel, we find that Jesus has just steadfastly set his face toward Jerusalem. That decision on Jesus' part, that inspiration happens at the end of the ninth chapter. Jesus steadfastly, resolutely sets his face toward Jerusalem. Why does he do so? Not because he's interested in seeing the sights of the holy city. No, you understand why Jesus has made this determination that he must not allow anything to detain him from that direction. He's going to the cross. And along the way, along the way, Jesus takes multiple opportunities to teach his disciples and others about the significance of serving, working, laboring, toward the kingdom of God. He tells one would-be disciple, no one who puts his hand to the plow and turns back is fit for the kingdom of God. He sends his disciples out on mission, and he tells them, you're going to go out into a hostile world, and the only thing that you will have is the presence of and the power of the Holy Spirit, and it will be enough. 
And that marvelous parable that we looked at earlier in the summer, the parable of the Good Samaritan where Jesus is teaching a religious authority the importance of showing mercy to others and to us, recognizing how there is value in doing what we can in order to alleviate the pain that others may be going through. And in this passage of Scripture, Jesus teaches about the source that is required in order to undergird, support, energize everything that we are about for the kingdom of God. It's a story that centers around two sisters, Martha and Mary. And what's interesting to me as I read this passage of scripture in Luke's gospel, you probably picked up on it, there's no mention of brother Lazarus. Why is that the case? Well, you read the Gospel of Luke and you see how more than any other Gospel writer, Luke elevates women. Luke elevates women, beginning with Mary, the mother of Jesus, all the way to the end of the Gospel where the women go to the tomb to experience the message of Easter Sunday and then to share it with the disciples throughout the Gospel. Women are elevated as models of devotion, a radical departure from the first century world where women gained their value by their association with some man. But for Luke, no, no, there's no need, there's no need to associate these two sisters with their brother Lazarus because there's something else of importance that is taking place in this passage of Scripture. Specifically, what we must see is the manner in which one of these two sisters rises above cultural expectations and cultural pressures so that she might make the right choice to attend to Jesus, to listen to Jesus, to wait upon Jesus in the face of everything else that is going on around her and everything else that is expected of her. Sister Mary makes a choice that Jesus himself says will result in something that will never be taken from her. You look at this story and you pay attention to these two sisters and, it, and it's very easy for us to resonate and identify with one of those two sisters, not Mary. The other sister, Martha, Jesus and his disciples come on their way to Jerusalem to what we know from the other Gospels is the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus in the town, the village of Bethany, which is just outside of Jerusalem, just a mile or two from the Mount of Olives. 
And because hospitality was considered a, a, a cardinal virtue in the first century world, even as it is today, but more so in the first century world, and, and because the duties of hospitality fell primarily upon the women, Martha is just working herself to a frazzle. Luke tells us that she is working so hard, so diligently, she feels the pressure of providing a, a, a situation of welcome to this important guest, Jesus and his disciples. It's gotten next to her. Luke tells us she's distracted. And in the Greek, that word means to be pulled apart. Some of us surely can resonate with Martha's sense of exasperation over how she feels the burden of responsibility of providing for Jesus, how there's so much to be done and so much to get done, and she's got all of these plates spinning, figuratively speaking. And meanwhile, her sister Martha is in the other room at the feet of Jesus, soaking up every word that Jesus is saying. And that's not what women are supposed to do. And so Martha goes to Jesus and in no uncertain terms expresses to Jesus her utter frustration Lord, tell my sister to help me with the work. She triangles Jesus into this fit of frustration, this distraction that has come over her. Lord, here I am doing all of this work and Martha is not lifting a finger to help me. You know that this is something that she is supposed to be doing. Tell her to help me. We can resonate with Martha. Some of us have been there when the burden of responsibility has fallen upon us, male and female. We can all resonate with Martha and the exasperation that had come over her, over how she was taking responsibility for everything while her sister seemed to be just doing nothing, nothing of importance. And how does Jesus respond? Not with a rebuke or some kind of harsh retort. No, that's, that's not what Jesus does. Instead, he responds to exasperated Martha with compassion and with an invitation. Notice how Jesus answers Martha. He calls her name and he does so twice. Martha. Martha. Look in the Gospels and see the other times that Jesus calls 
another person by his or her name twice. Notice throughout the New Testament what happens when someone encounters Jesus and is extended an invitation compassionately by Jesus to rise above duty and demand and expectation and all other baggage and to trust themselves to him. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Jesus says as he's entering the city. How I have longed to gather you, your children, like a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you would not let me. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you can hear the poignancy. There's that night in the upper room where Jesus is sharing his last meal with his disciples. And he knows. He knows how difficult the way will become for them. And he, and he seeks to prepare them for it. And Simon Peter, of course, stands up and says, I'll be there for you, Jesus, every step of the way. And you remember how Jesus answers Simon Peter before he predicts Peter's betrayal. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked for permission from God to sift you like wheat. But Simon, Simon, I am praying for you that your faith may hold firm. I think of the Apostle Paul. His story is told in the book of Acts making his way to Damascus to persecute the church because that's the work that he feels called to do. But what happens along the way? Jesus appears to him, Saul, Saul. Twice he calls his name. Why are you persecuting me? And Saul finally realizes the truth of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He has encountered the presence of the risen Jesus. His life is transformed. His name is changed no longer. Does anyone refer to him as Saul? He becomes Paul. And the greatest missionary the church has ever known, Martha. Do you see? Martha. Martha, it's an invitation. It's not a rebuke. Martha, Martha, you're, you're worried and you're concerned and you're anxious about so many things. But only one thing, only one thing really matters. And Mary has chosen the better thing. And what she has chosen will never be taken from her. So, is Jesus saying that leisure is important than labor? Is that what Jesus is saying? Oh, no, that's not what Jesus is saying. Again, he's not criticizing Martha for the work that she has been doing. He simply affirms Mary and the choice that she has made because of how Jesus 
sees in Martha the need to recognize that she needs to get away from what has been consuming her as important as it is. She needs as well to be attending to Jesus and waiting on Jesus so that, so that, in turn, she might re-engage with her labor in a manner that will bring her not worry and concern and distraction and this sense of being pulled apart this way and that way, frustrated with everyone around her. We've all been there. Instead, she can choose a better way so that what will come from it will be of substance and what she receives will never be taken away from her. One of the real temptations that we have as individuals, particularly those of us, I put myself in this camp, who are type A driven individuals, one of the temptations that we have and face and fall prey to is the temptation of defining our worth by our work, of assessing our value in terms of our activity. Doesn't matter if it amounts to anything. Long as we're busy, we must be doing something good. I mean, think about it. You ask people today, how are you doing? And there are many ways that people could answer that question. I'm doing well. Things are going